Um, my name is Sarah. For those who don't know me, I'm the warden here at St. Peter's. So um, if you've been coming along for a while and I haven't said hi, I'm really sorry. I will try and catch you at the end. But um, it's, it's really great to be able to talk about this passage. It's quite long. There's quite a lot of heavy stuff in it. Um, but we're going to jump right in. Wonderful. So this is halfway through the series we've been doing the last couple of weeks on the book of 1 John, and the theme is the Summer of Love. And it's the first of three letters that John wrote to the church in Ephesus. Now, I'd like to give this message the title, Build Your Church, because these letters are about the church, not the church's relationship with the world, but how we can learn to love each other, brothers and sisters, inside of the church. It's not a letter written to us, but all scripture is written for us. So we know the church in Ephesus was very impressive in many ways. Jesus says so himself in the book of Revelation in chapter 2. I don't know if, if you want to turn to it. Um, and Revelation is also penned by the same John who wrote the letter that we are looking at today. So this is what Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, so the same audience. I know your deeds your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name, and you have not grown weary. So we see the church in Ephesus was hardworking, diligent. They probably used up loads of their own resources and they didn't even grow weary whilst they were doing it. They also suffered great hardship for the sake of Jesus. And they were very careful about pursuing correct doctrine and teaching. But there was one problem, which Jesus called them out on later in Revelation. And this is what it says. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So the church of Ephesus was doing incredible things, but so serious was this failing, the forsaking of their first love, that Jesus was prepared to shut their church down. So what is their first love? 
Is it love for God? Is it love for their neighbor? Or is it their love for each other? So if you were here last week, you'll remember Ben Strain, vicar of Holy Trinity Sydenham. He said that when John, the author of this letter, was in his old age, the churches would invite him to say a few words to the congregation. And all he would say over and over again is, little children, love one another. Which many commentators think is what was missing inside the church in Ephesus. But wonderfully, the church in Ephesus heard what Jesus had to say about them and changed. They were not shut down. They even went on to be famous among the church fathers for having a reputation for being such a loving church. So now we'll return to our passage, 1 John 3. And as you will have heard, there's a lot in there. So I'm only going to look at a couple of themes that John highlights about what it means to love each other inside of the church. So the first theme I'm going to look at is to love each other means to deal with the state of our hearts in relation to one another. And the second theme is about the way we meet the material needs of our brothers and sisters. And I think those words that were shared just now actually really speak to these themes. So thank you so much for sharing them. Okay, so the first thing, what does John say about what it means to deal with the state of our hearts in relation to one another inside of the church? So to illustrate this, right in the middle of this chapter, verses 11 and 12, John references the story of Cain and Abel. And I'm going to read it, 11 and 12. It's on the screen, okay. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. So the story of Cain and Abel is found in Genesis chapter 4 in the Old Testament. And to summarize the story, Adam and Eve give birth to Cain first and then Abel. They both work the land and they both give offerings to God from their produce. But God looks favorably on the younger brother's offering and less favorably on the older brother's offering. We are then told that Cain becomes enraged and jealous because of the favor his younger brother receives. And at seeing God's pleasure, Cain gets really angry with his brother. Despite God challenging him, 
about his anger, Cain, who must have been so full of bitterness at this point, goes out into the field and kills his brother. John would not be referencing this story if the church of Ephesus was not also experiencing instances of envy. And while they may not be killing each other over it, Jesus also warns us about the envy and anger in our own hearts because it stops us from loving those around us in a Christ-like way. So at this point, I thought I'd share a bit of my own story about where I've experienced this because envy is something that I have really struggled with too. And I can relate to the older sibling envy. My brother and I went to the sort of schools that you have to take a test for. And we did practice tests beforehand to see how well we were doing. And I remember finding out that my younger brother, he is three and a half years younger than me, had scored vastly higher in a lot of these tests than I had done. And I remember feeling angry and resentful that he had done better than me. And I'm ashamed to say that this fueled competitiveness and jealousy of my younger brother, which I deeply regret, not just because bitter people are unpleasant to be around, but I think it caused me to idolize and covet things that I did not have. And I remember one day thinking that I have to deal with this. I must get rid of this in my life. And it says in Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And I remember having to tell myself, no, even if you feel like this, it's miserable being bitter and resentful, being a bitter and resentful person. And I won't allow myself to indulge in these feelings. But my story is not a story of disciplining myself and working really hard and struggling. Because the Bible promises that our hearts and our minds will be changed as the reality of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit works inside of us. I'm not gonna pretend I understand how this process works, but I know that I needed to recognize what was going on in my heart and then give this over to God. It is 100% true that God is in the business of continually transforming us from the inside out. And this week, I took my family out to celebrate my brother's recent success in his exams. And it was wonderful. And I am so full of joy and pride that my younger brother did so well. And it was as I was writing this that I realized God's power was able to change my heart. So praise God, thank you, Jesus. Okay, so I'm gonna move now on to the second theme that I talked about earlier. And this is about the way we share our material possessions with our fellow brothers and sisters. 
I'm going to read verses 16 to 18 again in full. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. The love to, sorry, the call to love our neighbor, a command from Jesus to love our neighbor, isn't what this particular letter is about. John is writing specifically about the ways brothers and sisters in the church can meet each other's needs. And it's never, and I will stress never, about being inward looking or caring for the needs of the church at the cost of everyone else. But it is about noticing the needs of those around us and supporting one another as much as we do as to those outside of the church. This means that anyone who comes into the community is also loved in this way. It's not an either or, loving those in the church and loving those out of the church, both are just as important to God. So as I said, I'd like to title this talk, Build Your Church, because God really cares about his church. And more than that, God wants to build his church. And Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18 to Peter, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are called to preach the gospel and expand the church, but we are also called to care deeply about the relationships within the church we have, to love one another as Jesus loves us. But why? Why does this matter? This isn't about building some fancy community just for the sake of it. I've been recently listening to a song called Build Your Church. And it's by Elevation Worship and Maverick City Music, which is all about God's heart for his church and the particular authority God gives to his church. All the lyrics are based on scripture and I want to read some of these now. Let's sing it. <laughs> Chris, let's sing it. <laughs> no. 
Upon this rock, you build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. When we bind and loose, we proclaim your truth. And in Jesus' name, we will not fail. The church that is full of the love of God for each other has the authority to bind all the powers of evil and to loose all the blessings of heaven through the agreement that comes in the power of prayer. But friends, in order to pray in this way, in order to strengthen the church, we must take seriously John's words. Little children love one another. So shall I invite you, let's, let's stand and let's take a moment to close our eyes. Maybe I'll read those lyrics again over us and then I'll pass over to Chris to lead us in a time of ministry. Upon this rock, you build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail because this is the church of Jesus Christ. When we bind and loose, we proclaim your truth and in Jesus' name, we will not fail. I was talking to someone this week about a verse. Hands up if it was you. <laughs> I can't remember who it was. Um, gates don't move. Gates is stationary. It's the kingdom that's moving. It's the kingdom that's moving forward. And so um, we believe that, that God is always moving forward. His word says that he's always working. Um, so Lord, we thank you that your kingdom is always moving forward. 